welcome to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a conversation between NYSAC's Legislative Director Ryan Gregoire and Cornell University forest entomologist Mark Whitmore. Mark provides an update on efforts taken in the past year to reduce the harmful impact of hemlock woolly adelgids and discusses the impact of climate change on the prevalence of invasive species affecting forests throughout New York State. Thank you, everyone, for joining us and tuning in to today, uh, today's NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. My name is Ryan Gregoire, and I am the Legislative Director for your New York State Association of Counties. Today, I am joined by Mark Whitmore, the Principal Investigator and Founder of the New York State Hemlock Initiative. Mark is also a forest entomologist with the Department of Natural Resources at Cornell University. Mark has been studying insects that feed on trees for over 30 years, the last 15 of which he has focused on invasive non-native species that are changing the face of North America's forested landscape. He started his career in forest entomology, studying spruce beetles in Alaska, moved to Berkeley to focus on biological control of forest pests, pests, and has been at Cornell since 1989. Mark currently works with professional land managers, state and federal agencies, local government officials, and concerned citizens to help them understand the issues surrounding and strategies for minimizing the impact of non-native invasive insects, such as the emerald ash borer and the hemlock woolly adelgid. Mark's current research focuses on biological control of the hemlock woolly adelgid, and I know um, this is a topic of high importance, both for New York State and for Mark's research and work. We'll be getting into that in a little bit in the podcast. Um, of course, for our listeners, we were also joined by Mark during a prior NYSAC conference and last year at the same time on the County Conversations podcast. I wanted to take a moment to regroup with Mark to follow up on our conversation from last year about the hemlocks in New York State, the status of the hemlock woolly adelgid and what mitigation efforts have been uh, going on across our state and how successful they've been. So uh, with that, Mark, thank you so much for joining us again and and taking some time out of your very busy schedule. Thanks, Ryan, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so Mark, just um, real briefly here for the listeners who maybe are just tuning in for the first time and they might be wondering what a hemlock woolly adelgid or HWA even is and what they do to our hemlock trees and maybe even why our hemlock trees are so important. Could you just give a quick uh, overall picture of, of our hemlock mm. forests and, and this invasive species? No, it's, it's not a quick thing, but I'll, I'll do my best, Ryan. Um, so uh, basically, I think it, uh, hemlocks are one of the more important trees in New York's forests. Um, I think it's the uh, third, or, third or fourth. It's a, it's a nip and tuck race right now as to whether they're the third or fourth most common tree uh, in New York State. But suffice it to say that in some places, like the Catskills and uh, the southern part of the Adirondacks, actually a lot of the Adirondacks, it really is one of the most common tree species there. And um, it's it is important for a number of different things. It's called a, a foundation species. Um, and this is a, 
a word that basically uh, refers to species that uh, form the basis of the uh, habitat that upon which uh, a myriad of other species require for their survival. Um, and to put it more simply, uh, if, if you just think about it, uh, think about a hardwood forest and say we lose all the ash trees in a hardwood forest, what do we still have functionally? A hardwood forest. Um, if we have a hemlock forest and everybody knows it provides an immense amount of shade, uh, shelter for uh, animals in the winter, uh, keeps the streams cool in the summer for trout. Um, if you take the hemlock out of a hemlock forest, you end up with uh, a hardwood forest. So, um, you know, really it's, it's irreplaceable. Um, and the hemlock woolly adelgid is a, a little uh, insect. It, it reproduces asexually in North America. And in trying to describe it, I would say most easily it's a it's a millimeter in diameter little beach ball with mouth parts that go into the twigs of the trees, uh, and it was in first uh, we feel it was first imported into the United States around the Richmond, Virginia area, around the turn of the twentieth uh, uh, century, and has <clears throat> since spread. It really became uh, notorious, uh, uh, recognized uh, around the nineteen seventies when it was killing uh, uh, amazing numbers of hemlocks in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And since then, it's spread to the southern range, southern edge of hemlock range in Georgia, northern Georgia, and all the way up into Nova Scotia, um, and is currently moving uh, westward and northward into Ontario, Michigan. So it's gotten around. Uh, it's been in New York State since the 1980s. Um, it doesn't move really rapidly in New York State. And one of the reasons is that it's susceptible to cold temperatures. Um, and this should be a red flag for everybody since uh, it's like we had, remember, the polar vortex, and that really slowed it down for a couple of years. <clears throat> but now the past three years have been nice and warm, and I've seen the populations explode, and the adelgids start to move into places that uh, we were looking at uh, and getting very worried about, and now it's there like the Lake George area in the Southern Adirondacks. That's a pretty scary situation. Uh, and DEC uh, has been, has, has, how can I say, we've been all over it, working with the DEC very closely. Yeah, I remember you telling the story last year about uh, this one camper who had really tipped off you and, and the DEC and alerted everyone to the presence of HWAs in, lake, in the Lake George region on the lake. Um, and of course, you know, I, I think re reflecting back on that conversation last year and the importance of the hemlock forests, um, both being a natural resource to all of us in New York, but also serving as a very important recreational and uh, tourism tool for our state, right? I mean, when you, when you picture the Adirondacks or the Catskills, in every single picture, there's photos of hemlocks, just about. Um, and without them, you know, uh, the landscape of New York are, would, would be drastically different. You know, one thing that we just had at our last conference at NYSAC was we had Dr. Seeger from NASA come and talk about how NASA is using satellites to study the effects of climate change on different communities across the United States. And you just talked about the importance of the polar vortex in slowing down 
the reproduction of the hemlock woolly adelgids and the, and the growth of them in our forests. You know, I, I think that's an important connection that maybe most of us hadn't thought about was how the warming of our climate is providing a more, you know, a, a better living situation for the hemlock woolly adelgids. You know, I, Mark, you, you had mentioned the widespread, um, you know, infestation in Ulster County, certainly the Finger Lakes region, now in Lake George. Last year, you had also talked about implementing some proper biological controls, which are natural predators who eat these bugs. Can you, can you talk about um, where we are with the insecticides that are currently being used as a short-term solution, but then also what you're thinking about long-term for um, the biological controls? Where are we with that? Sure, well, you, let, me, let me rewind you a little bit there. Um, I, you know, it's like, I, when I think about hemlock, I, it's, it's, uh, it's like I always like to say, to me, it's like the Labrador puppy dog in the tree world. Uh, there's just something about them that is just so sweet. Uh, I, I, I don't get it, but they really, um, they get to me. And it's not just in the Catskills and the Adirondacks, you know, it's like the iconic parks in New York State. And, you know, some of those in Rochester, right on the, right on the water. Uh, I know in the Finger Lakes here, you know, around Ithaca, Teganic and uh, Letchworth Park and the Allegheny mm. State Park, you know, it's, it's just a an iconic part of our landscape, um, not only, you know, just for the tree itself and its stature, but the scenic environment that it creates. Um, it's, you just don't realize, you know, the old saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone, I think is really true. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you want to get woken up, just go down to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park and see what it's done down there. The, uh, the park forester, uh, who's a friend of mine, he said, if I knew then what I know now, I would have treated every single tree I could have gotten money to treat uh, to keep them alive. Um, it's a situation that, you know, you got to sit back and think about. And, and that takes uh, that takes forethought. And it's, um, it's, I think, something that everyone would benefit from. But um, so when it comes to natural control of population, insect populations. Um, it's sort of that the hemlock woolly adelgid comes from Japan, right? The one we have on the East Coast. Um, and uh, it's also native to the Pacific Northwest, which is the place I grew up, <clears throat> as well as um, in China. And in those areas, uh, it's basically kept under control by uh, predators primarily, um, but perhaps also some tree resistance. We're not really sure um, the, the uh, there's so much we don't know about this, but we're not really sure exactly how the resistance comes into play. But, um, our work on the West Coast has shown us very clearly that when you exclude the predators, uh, the hemlock woolly adelgid persists. And so mm -hmm. with that information, we're, we're moving full speed ahead to try and Bring the predators uh, that are um, that are not here on the east coast uh, from the west coast and get them established and, and try and uh, uh, do that in the most efficient manner we, we can. So, uh, basically, since 2008, 
Uh, I've been releasing uh, one of the predators, a beetle we call Little Larry. Um, and it's become established at a number of different locations, but it's not really spreading that rapidly. And for a long time, I was scratching my head and sort of wondering what was going on. And then, of course, we got the polar vortex and the light went off in my mind. It's this, this insect. It's a very, it's a very, it's a specialist only on adelgids. And it, feeds in the wintertime when the adelgids are actually growing, which is an unusual situation, and why it's actually such a specialist. So it feeds in the wintertime, and then when we got the polar vortex, we were finding that up to 90% of the prey would be killed by the cold, mm -hmm. and so they wouldn't be able to uh, mature their ovaries and reproduce as rapidly as they would had there been no cold. Um, but now that, the, uh, uh, now that the polar vortex is is gone. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Um, it's the populations are building of this insect. Um, the other uh, insects we've been working with are something called silverflies. And the reason it's so important uh, to bring in another one is because the uh, little Larry works on the first generation, but there's two generations of this insect per year. And we weren't really having any predation on the second generation. Well, the silverflies on the West Coast are specialists on the second generation of the adelgid. And so uh, we've been releasing them uh, since 2015 and uh, a, a number of sites around the state. And um, I think we finally have evidence that it is established now. And um, our whole effort in biocontrol is trying to maximize our production of these insects, collecting them on the West Coast, but also figuring out how best to release them on the East Coast. For instance, do you release 3,000 in one location to get establishment and good, good population buildup? Or do you release 300 at 10 locations? That way you're covering more of the uh, landscape uh, with your releases. So that's one of the current questions that we're really uh, looking at carefully. Um, so yeah, we're, we're hoping um, that we can get these uh, predators established rapidly enough um, that they'll be able to control the populations so that they don't kill the hemlock trees like they have done throughout the South. Um, but in the meantime, we're very, very fortunate um, to have some very effective chemicals. And that's what we've been using in areas of high priority, uh, like state parks and in areas like around Lake George, uh, the chemicals are very safe. They're applied just to the tree. The, the chemicals stay just within the tree. Uh, and so, um, and the, the beauty is that uh, one application can last uh, perhaps up to seven years or, or even more. Uh, we're evaluating that as well um, in New York because New York is a special instance. But um, that is the current uh, approach that we're taking. And, you know, we can't treat every tree out there. And, um, and I don't want to treat every tree. I want to get the long-term solution out there. And that's a biocontrol so we can get off the chemical treadmill. Sure. You, you know, and, and you had just mentioned um, the Lake George region. I know this was uh, last year, this issue was particularly um, it was a red flag, high profile issue. The hiker or the camper just had identified it and shared um, this information with all of you in July. We had recorded a podcast in September. So really you had only known about this uh, potential outbreak for, for a couple months. How, how has that uh, mitigation effort gone in, in the Lake George region? Did you guys see 
hemlock woolly adelgids expanding onto more trees in in the Lake George region this past year? Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to say whether they are expanding or if we just are picking up some of the spots that we missed last year. Um, you can imagine that, you know, where we're going through and looking uh, for the hemlock woolly adelgid uh, in the in the in the wild forests there. Um, it's not an easy task and you can't get up into the tops of the trees. And so, uh, you know, it's almost a law of nature. You're going to miss something out there, especially little teeny tiny little things um, that reproduce asexually. I do feel really good about the effort that was made. DEC, they just threw everything at it uh, that we could at the time. In fact, indeed, they're up there right now going back and treating some of the areas um, that we weren't able to cover completely and uh, some other little spots that we found. Um, right now, I feel heartened uh, that the effort that we put in up there has really slowed the pace um, of, of HWA expansion um, in the area. I think right now we're just, uh, whereas last year we found some, some pretty heavily infested trees. Right now we're, we're sort of like finding little light spots. And I think we're, and that to me is really good. Uh, we, I think we, we got the major part of it. And now we're sort of just uh, maybe taking the next few years to, to mop it up. Um, are we going to get them all? Uh, I, I, you know, it's like, I, I'm a realist. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. But are we going to slow down the spread of the population? Yes, we are. Uh, and I think it's going to be valuable time that we're buying uh, so that we can implement uh, the biological control for the long term. And, right. and I also want to put in uh, that having the participation of, of individuals like that camper is just so critical uh, in our efforts to find the insect and to uh, implement uh, a landscape scale uh, strategy um, with DEC uh, in controlling its advancement into the into the Adirondacks and across the state for that matter. Right, sure, sure. Uh, you know, Mark, one thing that has been on the top of county leaders' minds recently, in addition to HWAs, are some of these other invasive non-native species that have come in and are affecting our forests. You know, I, I just saw an article this morning actually on the spot in Lanternfly and uh, some of the, the issues and potential harm that that insect could have um, on our, you know, on our forests. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about, um, seeing as you're an expert in forest entomology, <laughs> about some of these other invasive species <laughs> and, you know, really, I guess, as a state, you know, it's, it's in everyone's interest to preserve our environment and protect our forests. Um, like, like you, I have a personal uh, endeavor to do so, but, you know, it, without our forests, we, you know, the, the New York State would not look like what New York State looks like today. And we wouldn't have the awesome and amazing uh, parks and recreation opportunities. And, you know, um, it, it would really be disastrous to, to our society if we didn't have these forests. Can you tell us a little bit about the other invasive species out there and what's going on with them and, and how maybe uh, we collectively, aside from educating county leaders, what can we be doing at the association to help you, um, you know, prevent the spread of these, of these other insects in addition to the HWA? Wow. Uh, you know, 
you just brought up a, a thought I had when I first moved here uh, to the Finger Lakes, um, you know, from the West Coast, I was rather embarrassed. I thought I was moving to the suburbs of New York City. Um, and then I get to Ithaca and it's like, wow, this is pretty nice. And then I realized <laughs> yeah. that, wait, wait a minute. I've, I've just moved to one of the vacation capitals of the Eastern Seaboard. Mm -hmm. uh, the Finger yeah. Lakes, in fact, all of New York is just amazingly beautiful. And it's, you know, it's the uniqueness of, of our forests, I think, that really colors people's impressions. We have the hemlocks, we have the sugar maples. Right now, you know, it's the, it's the, the color is coming on and uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, you know, it's like uh, this is threatened. Uh, and, you know, to, to think about that which we have been threatened, you know, there, I think there'll always be trees out there. Um, will they always be sugar maples? I don't know. You know red maples? Mm -hmm. Red maples, I, I sure hope nothing comes after red maples because it's just after the ashes, that's about all I have in my woodlot. But uh, the, the, you mentioned the uh, spotted lanternfly, and that is the, that's a scary bug. Um, you know, who knows what will happen with it. It's just uh, really since 2014, we've had a, a, an idea of what it does. And um, uh, if I was growing grapes right now, I would be shaking in my boots. Uh, and we know what grapes do to the tourism industry up here. You know, it's like not only do people like to drink the stuff, but I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful uh, having vineyards all over. And if you go in Pennsylvania right now, it's, it's a huge problem. Uh, they are using tons of insecticides just to keep their tree, their, their vines alive. Um, will it get into some of the big, some of the, uh, 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 forest trees that we have here. Uh, I think the the right now the the we're still writing that book. Uh, not really sure what's going to happen to sugar maple. Uh, what happens when the insect uh, moves north? Uh, will it also be susceptible to colder temperatures? Which once again, you know, it's like we can't expect cold temperatures to be up around for here for all along. Uh, climate change is real, and uh, it is impacting. Uh, the distribution not only of, of these invasive insects, but also I, I think you know it could potentially impact uh, native insects that haven't normally been pests. They might be showing up as well. So, you know, it's not just the, it's not just the non-natives that we have to pay attention to. We have to pay attention to everything that's out there, and really uh, be sensitive to. Uh, not normal things, and that's what people can do. If you see a, yard, a, a bunch of trees in your yard or your woodlot or you know, your park, and, and all of a sudden uh, something is going wrong with them, something uh, has affected them, uh, shrugging your shoulders and just cutting them down is not the right answer. Uh, we need to know about it. And uh, when we know about things, then we can actually start, well, the first thing I start doing is scratching my head. I still have hair up there, so it's good. Um, but the, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, we're, we're always doing that. Uh, my very good friend, uh, Jerry Carlson at DEC, I mean, we go way back and uh, it's, we spend a good part of every time that we talk to each other, talking about what the new stuff is and what it's doing and how it's changing and uh, uh, thinking about just one of our, our the more curious things, there's the, a new disease on beech trees called beech leaf disease. Uh, we have no idea where that came from. It was first mentioned a few years ago at a meeting in, oh, uh, coming from Ohio, but now we're finding it in the Hudson Valley. And we just had a spot pop up near Cortland. Um, 
just unexplained and we're watching uh, uh, how it spreads and we don't really know. Um, Emerald ash borer, that's something, boy, that's, boy, that is just, uh, um, everybody's going to be feeling the economic impact of that. I'm looking at the trees along, lining my driveway, a quarter mile long driveway, and I have 15 trees right next to the power lines. And I, for the life of me, don't understand why when they came through to prune the trees, they didn't take out all the ash. But that's besides the point. You go down the streets and they're there and they're not going to just keep standing for forever when they're dead. So we have an economic impact uh, that the counties are going to be realizing surrounding uh, emerald ash borer and, and having dead trees around, uh, especially on right-of-ways and uh, in areas where uh, uh, county infrastructure is in place. So, um, you know, these are just, just a few of the uh, problems that we're looking at. And, you know, just going back in my memory and thinking about it, it's, you know, it, it hasn't always been this way. Um, you know, it's like there's been bug problems in the past, but now we're looking at, at, at more, more catastrophic bug problems and, and bug problems that come associated with a price tag. Um, uh, and to taxpayers and, uh, and, and extra work for uh, county employees. So um, yeah, is it gonna change? Well, I hope so. It'd be really nice if the bugs would stop coming, um, but they won't because uh, we are not gonna stop bringing containers uh, from overseas. People are always gonna, are gonna continue to uh, engage in uh, commerce, um, with foreign countries, and um, it's much to my benefit. And I, I, you know, it's like I'm not going to just put my head in the sand. But we have to approach that, I think, uh, with uh, the awareness that there are um, potential problems that we could be bringing with it. Yeah, and and you know that's it, it's a good warning sign, I think, for all of us to be cognizant of, right? I, it, the climate change, the bugs coming. Um, to New York State, regardless of whether they're non-native invasive species or they're already here and they are native invasive species or native species that may become invasive. Um, yeah. You know, I, the, it's, you're absolutely right. I think there does, there and, and there will be a significant economic uh, cost to this at the end of the day. And you know, as, as county leaders, we all have to be cognizant and working in tandem with you and our state partners at uh, the Department of Environmental Conservation to ensure that we're really tackling this head on. Um, yeah. Otherwise, our vineyards, our, uh, our maple trees, which, you know, everyone loves Vermont and New York State maple syrup. Well, you know, they're, they're potentially threatened right now. And, you know, we have to be cognizant of of the impact of some of these bugs, and uh, and how we can how we can help the state and the New York State Hemlock Initiative and folks like yourself across the state really prevent and uh, and protect our forests. So, Mark, is there any uh, any words of advice, any words of wisdom that you want to pass on before we wrap up the conversation today? Um, you know, I. Uh, words of wisdom. I, I just, uh, I, th I think of um, the situation uh, that we're in right now and, and the fact that, uh, uh, that it's, you know, people have a lot to do. 
I mean, there are, there are a lot of problems out there that we got to deal with. And, um, you know, I just hate to keep loading them on and saying, well, there's another one, you know, but it's, it's really true. Uh, I think it's, it's important to, to be aware of these things and not, not, not stick your head in the sand saying, well, that's for somebody else to deal with. Um, but to, you know, you can't, do everything, but at least be aware of the some of the issues uh, that are surrounding you, and, and you know, especially when it comes to maintenance of infrastructure and, and the uh, uh, the placement of trees. And uh, um, I, yeah, you know, I keep going back to that uh, to that one individual uh, camper up there on Lake George, and what an amazing contribution they made uh, to saving the, the hemlocks in the Lake George area. If we'd let that go for another three or four years, it would have been a totally different story. And, you know, that's playing itself out across the state in areas like Allegheny State Park, where uh, park uh, uh, volunteers discovered HWA. And we got on it, and uh, I think we effectively slowed it down there. So it's just... The process of, of being aware of what's going on and asking questions. You know, what happens if trees die? Uh, you know, what kind of trees are these? Uh, uh, maybe we should, you know, pay very close attention to those trees in the playground, uh, you know, at, at the local park. Um, you know, branches fall and things like that. So, um, you know, it's thank you for doing what you do and bringing uh, everyone together in the state uh, so that we can have these conversations. That's the most important thing is that we're talking together and, um, you know, we'll figure it out one way or another. Yeah, that, you know, this impacts all of us. I think that's the message mm -hmm. that I took away from today's conversation. Whether you're a farmer or you operate a vineyard, or maybe you have a maple sugar uh, production business, or maybe you're just a tourist coming to New York State, or maybe you're a resident who likes to travel around and look at all the awesome foliage and enjoy our parks, right? Yeah. We all have, we all have some tie to this and uh, it's in our best interest collectively to make sure that we're aware of what's out there. We, we see the signs and, uh, and maybe it's see the sign, save a tree, right? And we pass that yeah. information on to you folks who know how to help treat the trees certainly with the short-term insecticides, but then also the longer-term solution, which is um, our little friend, Larry, and his partner for uh, the fly for the round two. Um, but Mark, I, I just, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this, is, this is a great opportunity for us to re-engage with members, and uh, it's very exciting to have you. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Ryan. It's been a real pleasure. Look forward to seeing you in person next time. <laughs> yes, yes, likewise. Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.